Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We're glad you're here today. I want to remind you, if you'd like to give to what God is doing here in Cersei, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 or go to newlifechurch.tv slash giving to give online. As always, thank you so much for your faithfulness and supporting the local church. Now prepare your hearts for a great word from Pastor Kevin today. Amen. How's everybody doing? You guys look fantastic. I don't know if y'all are spread out enough. Uh, so glad to uh, have all of you here this morning. Thanks so much for being here with us on site. And um, I'm going to start a new series today. And before I do that and talk about that, I just want to pray over us, pray over our giving, and give you a little update. And the update would, would be this. We have gone to one service just for the summer. This is a very temporary move. Uh, but we're, we're going to reassess that just before school starts. We've always been a a two-service campus, and um, so we are going to take another look at that just before um, uh, school returns, and so we'll keep you posted on that. In the meantime, we're going to have some options for you. So you can still go to the online campus at 9.30, and that's uh, Pastor Rick every single week. Our worship team's from Conway. You can do on-site at 11, or in the next couple of weeks, we're working very hard to have an online live option of our 11 o'clock service. So if you've got uh, some friends or family uh, still really nervous about coming back to an on-site setting, they can catch us live at 11 o'clock, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, and we'll keep you updated about that. So uh, giving obviously looks a little bit different. We're not passing containers um, and those types of things. So if you want to give... Right now, during this season, you can give online, which is what uh, most of you are already doing. But in the corridors, each corridor on your way out is a giving box attached to the wall. And uh, you can give there or you can mail it in. So we um, are checking our mail frequently. And um, as always, um, I've been thanking you during the season ever since March. I've been thanking you for uh, just the sustainability um, a lot of you have asked, where are we with giving? Where are we with giving? And uh, we're coming in right there, okay? And if you know, then you know what right there means. But um, we, are, we are being sustained, and I just want to thank you for that and tell you how appreciative we are um, for your faithfulness to give in this area. So I want to pray over us today, and then I'm going to talk about this series and what is around the corner for us in that. So let, let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for um, the option today to just be in the house of God. And Lord, I pray for this service. I pray for this message. I pray for um, everyone who is here today and that you would just speak to us today as we open our hearts and our ears to hear. And I pray for every need that might be represented in this room today. Those that have come into this room who are tired and weary or frustrated or discouraged on some level, that, God, you would be with them, that they would feel your presence and hear your voice today, God, in some way. And so we thank you again for all the opportunity that we've been given to come together around the state as, as a church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Again, so thankful for all of you to be here today and this is going to be the very first series that I have started since March the 8th. 
Um, so we are going to hop into this called You're Not Far, all right? If I were going to preface this series, this is what I would say. Today's going to feel a little bit different because I'm doing a couple of things. The first one would be this. This is a is an introduction to a series. And normally on a on a message, I'm trying to get you to a decision point. I'm trying to b- bring you to a place of, of making a choice or looking at something specifically, and it may not feel that specific for you because it's setting it up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tee it up for the next several weeks. But the second thing is this, is I believe that this series is one that is driven entirely towards discipleship, okay? So there are different kinds of messages. There's there's a fire them up kind of message, which is inspirational or motivational, or let's do something. There's a build them up, which is about growth and personal development. And so this kind of, of message is, is a grow up, okay? So it's, it's to take a look at where you are on your journey and your following of Jesus Christ, and then to do something um, about that, to relook, to reassess, um, to reevaluate where where you are in that process. And so today I'm going to be looking intently um, into the book of Mark. I want you to go with me on this. I want you to stay with me on it. And um, I think as we come out of this in the next three or four weeks, you're going to be glad that we talked about this, okay? So I want to give you just a little bit of context, and the context would, would be this. We're about 30 years past the crucifixion. So we're three solid decades into Christendom. It is swept across Rome. Uh, many churches have been planted. Many missionary journeys have been started. And this Gospel of Mark, is a testament of Simon Peter. It's written by Mark, but it's all the words of Simon Peter. So Simon Peter, who lives in Nero's Rome, has been dodging death. He's been dodging torture for the past three decades. And he decides to tell his story one more time to John Mark. Now, you and I know him as Mark but he's going to write a gospel that is not his. It's an account of something that he has heard. But as Simon Peter sits with him to tell his story for the last time, the two of them are not trying to write the Bible. They are trying to give an account, not of what Simon Peter heard, not of what Simon Peter read, but what he saw his personal account of Jesus Christ. He's not sharing this story to boast. He's not sitting with John Mark and saying, man, you know, get ready. Um, You're not going to believe what you're about to hear. This is not about boasting. The whole purpose of him writing is so those of us, like you and I, who were far off, could have a connection with Jesus Christ. That was the whole point. I'm going to share this personal story. John Mark, I hope that you write it. I hope you share it. I hope it's archived. I hope it's passed on. I hope it catches fire. And generations that are far off 
can hear about it. And here we are, 2,000 years later, talking about this story. It's amazing to me. So Mark chapter 12 is a sliver of Simon Peter's account. And the context of this chapter is Jesus has been teaching religious leaders. Okay? Now, on this particular instance, and this is, is a scene that was not um, secluded. This happened often in Scripture. Jesus would be around religious teachers and leaders, and He would teach them, and they would volley back and forth about the Torah. And on this particular instance, Jesus has gained the attention of one particular teacher. And that one teacher has asked one question that you've heard many times before. And he asked this, Of all the commands, which one is the most important? And I like this because as a learner, as this teacher was trying to learn, he's asking a question based on priority. He wants to know. Because he thinks all the commandments are valuable, but he wants to know which one is the most important. Like if you were going to drill down and I was going to spend my life's energy doing one of these things for the rest of my life, which one is the most important? He's asking this because he believes that, that they're all valuable, but not all of them can be the most important. This is Jesus' answer, okay? And it's found in Mark 12. Verse 29, he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then they know what's coming next. Okay? So he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he goes on in verse 31, and he says this. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, now listen, this is important to know. The Greek is very clear that this second one does not mean second in sequence, as in one and two. But the Greek is clear that it really means there's another of equal importance. It's like an and. So he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus is going to reinforce this by saying this word. There is no greater commandment, singular, greater than these, plural. Right? So, in other words, together, these two are one. The, 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 the heaven math here is one plus one equals one. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. And I like this next part because the teacher who asked the question goes on to say, You are right! He doesn't realize who he's talking to. You are right. Jesus is like. But he says, 
he, he says something really big here, okay? Watch what he says. These things are the most important. They are more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. That is huge. He is saying that this message that Jesus has just brought up is more important than, one, than a major practice. This would be like someone today getting in, in a pulpit and saying, this is more important than prayer. This is more important than baptism. And some people would be taken aback at what they just heard. But watch what happens. Jesus recognizes this guy is on the right track. And if this man continues to follow this logic, he is going to arrive at a destination that's going to change him forever. And I like to think, now this, this is me, but I like to think in between these two verses, Jesus kind of pulls him aside, just, just a tad, and in my mind, he looks him in the eyes, and he changes his tone from teacher to father. And he says this in verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. I want you to think about that for just a minute. When this man stood up to a major religious thought, this is going to be better than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices, he was like, you've got it. You're on it. You're following me. You're picking it up. You're catching it. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look intently at this statement. So on the first installment of this series, we need to kick the tires a little bit. And I want to start with a question. A question that I just want you to answer in your own mind today, and it's this. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? More specifically, what's the big idea of the kingdom of God? That if you and what you know about Scripture or experientially about God or what, what you've been taught, et cetera, et cetera, and you had to put that all into one recipe and list two or three main ingredients, what would you say is the big idea behind the kingdom of God. Now, here's, here's a, an answer, and I'm, I'm, I'm setting you up here, but if you grew up in church, if you were churched, then you know how to answer this because we've all been conditioned to it. If you grew up in the South, we all know what the answer to this, regardless of the denomination, or Christianized nomenclature or wordiness, we would all pretty much answer this the same way. And here it is. Number one, Jesus died for our sin. Number two, I put faith in Him, and that gets me to heaven. Number three, in the meantime, behave. Right? That's how we would sum up what's the kingdom of God. 
I want you to think about your conversations over the years and how many of those three have encompassed most of our experiences. Jesus died for our sins. I trust Him. That's going to get me to heaven. Now, if you don't, that lands you in another place we don't really like talking. Number three, in the meantime, between A and B, just be good. All right? Be good. Teach your kids to be good. Don't do all the stuff. You know, when I grew up, it was drinking, smoking, and tattooing. You couldn't do any of those three. We had a list, and we put it all together, and it had a big no on top. And then each generation would kind of add its own and reinforce and Sometimes the generation would go back to the top of the list and say, I don't, I don't think we really care about that one anymore. Scratch that off. But we had this list, and this list was in the behave section. Because this was the kingdom of God, right? A big list of things not to do, ways of not to think, words not to use, places not to go, people not to hang out with, movies not to watch. This has got to be the kingdom of God, right? What we're actually going to discover in this series is that this was not the message of Jesus. That sounds shocking, but let me just kind of give you a, a taste of where we're going over the next several weeks. The death and resurrection of Jesus had not even happened yet. He had not even dropped this bomb on people. Now, did, did he tell or communicate to his inner circle that he would die and be resurrected? Yes. But I think we're going to see clearly in this series that the death and resurrection of Jesus actually punctuated the message of Jesus. It was the exclamation point to the message or the gospel of what Jesus himself was actually communicating to people. Okay? And his message was this three words God is near. God is near. This is why the gospel was referred to as good news. Come on, somebody. This is why. Because God is near. It wasn't good news because we formulate a list. It's not good news at all. I mean, if we're trying to win our friends to following Jesus and we just present to them a big list of do's and don'ts, that's not good news. If we want to talk about how hot hell is and the gnashing of teeth and weeping and wailing and on and on and on and on and on, is that good news? No. What's good news is this, God. Is near. And when this becomes our lens of our reality, 
think about how it also becomes the answer for a lot of our reality. Plug it into your world right now. Plug it into what you saw in the news last night. World in turmoil. Emotionally charged. COVID numbers, whatever you want to use. And then remind yourself, God is near. That's good news. This was the message of Jesus. Now let me show you a map really quick. This map is in the back of your Bible, your paper one. This map, if you look from north to south here on, 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 on the map, you're looking at the Sea of Galilee up top, the Jordan River going all the way down into the Dead Sea. Jerusalem to the west. And so right there around Jericho, if you kind of drew a line there that was kind of southeast, it was right around just above the Dead Sea there where it's believed that John the Baptist began to baptize people. It was the same river where Jesus was baptized. It's also the same one where his disciples began to baptize. It was along this famed river where the disciples of John the Baptist and the disciples of Jesus begin to argue about who's baptizing. And Jesus makes his way from Jerusalem to the Jordan, which you could do in a day's time. It'd be late when you got there, but you, you could walk it out in, in a day. And Jesus began to walk this Jordan River Valley up around the Sea of Galilee and into Capernaum. If you look at Nazareth, right there is where he, he grows up. And so he's speaking and teaching all along and baptizing all along this Jordan River Valley. And he's preaching one message. And this message starts to us in Mark chapter 1. He says this, okay, this was the message of Jesus. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. The time has come. Meaning this, the world is looking for it. Everything before has been a hint or a preparation for what I'm about to reveal to you. The time has come. Then he goes on in the same verse, and he says this, The kingdom of God has come near. He is speaking about himself, basically. And he's saying this, There's a new king in town. And wherever the king goes, the kingdom goes with him. I've come to establish something different, start something new, change some minds. I've come. The kingdom of God is near. And his followers would soon discover that this new kingdom was without walls. Actually, they're going to discover it's really a kingdom of the heart. And that he wanted the inner sanctum of our lives to be the throne upon which he sat. And it's established by a king who came to reverse the order of just about everything. When you look at Scripture, he is challenging every conversation, every religious thought, and these were His people. People who had followed Yahweh. 
People who had a history of coming out of bondage, building tabernacles and making place for God. He challenges them first. And says there's a new thought. There's a new kingdom. There's going to be a new way. This is going to be a kingdom where importance is not placed on robust armies or establishing strength or gaining resources or expanding territory. It is a kingdom of God that He already has mentioned is about loving God and loving others. Loving God and loving others. Loving God and loving others is the modus operandi. He's saying that is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus was the start of a new era, of a new engagement, of a new covenant. King Jesus has opened the gates of the kingdom wide to all the people from every background, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Now listen, let me get you where I need to go this morning. This kingdom comes with a command. Two, actually. And in the same verse I've already had, had you look at, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says this, Repent and believe the good news. What's the good news? That the kingdom is near. Repent and believe. So right now when I say this, repent and believe, you are getting all those images in your head that come from your Western ideas. One of them would, would be this. It'd be Gandalf standing on a rickety bridge saying, you shall not pass. <laughs> right? Repent. You shall not pass till you do whatever. Okay? We love this thought in Christianity. We love it. We love taking scriptures completely out of context and making them punish us to sustain the guilt and the shame that we feel that somehow they equate and they nix each other out in the process. And if, I'll, if I do the sin, I'll bear the guilt. That's the way God wanted it. Gandalf, you shall not pass. But let me explain this. Let me, let me help you with this. Okay, The word repent can definitely mean stop it. But it can also mean change your direction. Alright? So what I think Jesus was saying to understand His kingdom was this. You're going to have to rethink your worldview. You're going to have to rethink the way you view the Father and His relationship with you. You're going to have to change your mind about some things. You're going to have to die to your own ideas and if you don't, you're going to miss it. Now, I'm scared to say what I'm, I'm about to because it really means something to all of us in this room. If Christianity and following Jesus did not mean anything to you, you wouldn't even be here today. There's a part of you who wants to know and grow and, and, and do and be more with Christ than you've ever been. But I'm afraid that some of us have spent 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years living through this lens of this kingdom in our minds that does not exist. Just like the apostles struggled 
we're struggling with it. And we've got an idea that's got to be torn down. We have to have a change of direction. We've got a religious idea that keeps us critical of everybody. It's got to come down. It's something in you that says this way is the only way and this is the way you have to believe and this is the way you got to pray or this is the way you got to do this part or this part or this part and it's in you so bad that it turns people off from the good news. It turns people away from the message of Jesus. Now, is it a religious message that you're sharing? Sure. But sometimes religiosity comes with shackles and chains and things that Jesus did not preach. All you got to do to be religious is wear a cross around your neck. But that doesn't make it the message of Jesus. Are you with me today? So it scares me to think that we've got these things built up in our head that are strong and we're vocal about it and we, and we draw lines in the sand over things that were not the message of Jesus and they're certainly not good news. He says, change direction. Change direction. Okay? When you think about it this way, change your mind about this. Okay, Change your mind. So much different than a you shall not pass kind of imagery. Change, change your mind. Okay? He's, he's opening the invitation to say, come with me, join me, be with me, hear me out. Okay? And then he says, and believe. Okay? Now this word's exactly what, what you think it is. I want you to entrust yourself to the message. That's what he's saying. I want you to fall into it, to submit to it, to be all in with the thought that the kingdom is near and that is good news. Submit your life. Submit the deepest places of you to the good news that God is near. You know, this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time, and I'm going to talk more about this next week, but I, I want you to know something. I spent a large percentage of my early days in Christianity believing that my relationship to God resulted in His presenting presence to me. Presence P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Not His presence, but gifts. That, that serving God somehow meant that I get things. It was very much based out of, out of a word of faith thinking. If I give, I get it back. And we take all the things, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Then you start feeling guilty because you're not seeing favor and seeing increase and raises. Do I believe God honors you? Yeah, but I also think sometimes He just wants us to obey. It's not about what I get. So to equate that to our relationship, let me use my, 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 my kiddo. When I sit with my kid, 
I'm not trying to come up with what I can get out of that. I just want to be. I just want to exist. It's like, think about sitting with your friends, and if everything was always like, what, what can I get out of that? Like, what, what clout can I get from hanging out with them or being friends with them on Facebook or tagging them on Instagram? Or I wonder if they're going to pay for this lunch or I'm going to have to pay with it. I wonder, you know, but on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And that that's the way I spent a lot of years perceiving and looking at the Father. And then I had to realize that this was not about presence, S-E-N-T-S. It was about just being with Him, that God was near, and that was the good news. And I've told you this before, but let me tell you about when this all falls apart, is when you have something that you cannot fix. For us, it was losing a child. And so you stand there and you watch a child draw its last breath, and you go, where's the presence? I've served you, and I've given. And you go back to this list that I mentioned earlier, and you go, okay, I haven't, I haven't watched the movies and said the words and drank the stuff and smoked the stuff, and my skin doesn't have the stuff, and I don't hang out with them. And you go through all this list, and you go, where's the, where's the payback? And you realize immediately that you've had your life tethered to something that's not the good news. It was religion. Because had I really been tethered to the good news that God was near, I would have filtered this moment. It's awful. It's terrible. But His Word tells me He is the ever-present help in a time of trouble. And right now, He is near. And that's good news. Instead, my heart became bitter, calloused, turned off toward all the years of serving, but never knowing the good news. Let me finish here. I'm, I'm out of time. Let me close this. Mark. One and one, he says this, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And let me say this, if what you've tethered your life to is not good news, I'm confident you've completely missed the message of Jesus. If you get up every day and you pick up a hammer of shame and guilt and all the other things that you could label it with and all day you beat yourself with it and you can even do it in the name of Jesus Christ. It does not make it His message. If what you believed is not good news, so much so that you left it a long time ago, and you do this because you think this gets you to heaven, then you're not connected to the good news. If what you believe about God and eternity is not overflowing with good news, and you've missed the message of Jesus, which is this. God is near. I'm going to talk really hard for just, just a moment or straight. 
Maybe some of you right now in this room, you have contemplated divorce. Maybe you're like me. You think you've put the time in, you've clocked in enough, you've done enough, that you are due some type of present. When what you really need to know is this, God is near. You may be here right now and have cancer in your body. And you're going through all the, the things. Anger, denial, acceptance on some days. Let me challenge you. Rather than shaking your fists at God and wanting the present, let's embrace the good news. You may have cancer in your body, but God is near. Some of you right now are in so much financial difficulty. And whether you're a victim or you volunteered for it, that's not the message today. Here's the message, that you sit there in worry and concern. Well, I'll tell you something. God is near. That's the good news. I believe that Peter himself would say to us, hey, if you've walked away, listen, I did too. God is near. Mark tells us through the account of Peter, listen, I'm, I'm closing. He tells us through the account of Peter, God came near, which means this, you are never far. My favorite line about the prodigal son story is this, it says, while he was afar off, the father saw him. Ephesians chapter 2 says, But now in Christ Jesus, those of you who were far off have been brought near. It's the good news. And I'm going to ask you that no matter what you're going through right now in this room, no matter what your story, no matter about what's going on, that you don't want to tell anybody else here today. The gospel of Jesus is that He's near. That's what I want you to leave with today. In all of it. In any worry or angst or unforgiveness or family dynamic, whatever it is, He's near. Right?